0: Do you see this writing? Do you know what it means? Hospitality. And you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it!
1: Um I'm
0: gonna need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. Give my regards to King Todd asshole. <laughs>
2: Tell you what, I'll take Miss Barrett back to her apartment and check her out. I'll go check out Miss Barrett's apartment.
0: Statistical fact. Cops will never pull over a man with a huge bomb in his car. Why? They fear this man. They know he sees farther than they. And he will bind them with ancient logics. (laughs) Hello! Welcome again
3: to a very giggly, good trash podcast. It's been all we could do just to get this episode recorded tonight, and we are so glad to be together and with you all via your headphones and car stereos. To talk about
1: a film called Imbruch.
2: This episode brought to you by Cox Communications for all your internet needs. Yep, that's why we're That's right, Cox
1: Communications, (laughs) the number one internet provider in the Southwest. And also, people who take way longer on the telephone than they tell
2: you they're going to take. That was not the voice of cinema, that was an imposter.
1: Uh, we
3: spent a long time before we recorded today listening to elevator music, and uh, we are not
1: better for having. Do you done think so. we'll get a sponsorship if we bring up how awesome their wonderful internet Hey guys, is. you know Cox
4: has some fantastic internet. It had me downloading and torrenting shit faster than any other web website. I don't think you should. I think. I mean, come on, come on. They're, they're aiming for pir- the pirate market, right? I don't I think mind. you
2: should have said that the
1: second part. <laughs> Because I'm trying to get my
2: internet paper over here, man. <laughs> I'm still trying to get a sponsorship from Netflix. I'm not going to lie. No Speaking
1: of seeking a pos- awesome. sponsorships, though, we do want to
3: recognize that the Good Trash honorcast we're available at podbean.com. That's at goodtrasherundercast.podbean.com. The interface has changed recently at podbean, and it's become more of a social network where you can create your own profile, and you can follow the podcast that you would like to follow. And we would encourage you all, dear listeners, to take a look-see at that and follow us. Is the movie of the week, and we are going <laughs> (laughs) to be discussing it. We're going to be doing analysis. This is not a review show. It's an analysis show. So we're going to talk about what it means. We're going to break it apart in tiny little pieces and reassemble it and astound you with our intellectual acumen. Therefore, since this is not a review show, we will only keep our reviews very, very quick. We are assuming, again, that you know the film review shows, of course. Avoid spoilers. There be spoilers ahoy on this show. So we're going to begin with a quick synopsis of the film from the voice of cinema. Our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. But before we can get into our Analysis and reviews. We need to do some introductions first of all. Across the
1: table from me, to the slightly right, if you would, sir. Don't don't do the mirror. That makes it so much harder. I gotta think about it. I have done <laughs> and I don't know if you're aware of this, listener, but an inordinate amount of midgets kill themselves.
2: Straight across the table from me, if you'd introduce yourself. <laughs> I am Arthur Gordon. I just need to know: was it a Chinese lollipop man?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and finally, to my left, if you would, sir. Apparently, uh, I'm Caleb Masters, and apparently, dwarves and little boys are often confused for each other. <laughs> My
3: name is Dustin Sells, <laughs> and it's like being in a dream Thank to be here with <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> to be here with you, gentlemen, tonight. Do, talking- you know, do you know that you're awake, though? I am not sure. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I've been running about surrealism lately, so that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> oh, so this was probably fun for you. Moving
3: on. Uh, we are going to now get to our analysis. We're going to begin with a synopsis from
2: The Voice of the Cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. Guilt stricken after a job gone wrong, Hitman Ray and his partner await orders from their ruthless boss in Bruges belgium the last place in the world ray wants to be thank you so
3: much for that synopsis mr arthur gordon i think we now have a general idea of what's going on it's a hitman movie the hitman have done some bad stuff and it's gone kind of bad and they're hiding out in a place called bruges it's in belgium uh belgium jokes will ensue but before we get into all of that let's begin with our quick thumbs up thumbs down does this film work if so why if not also
4: why i begin by asking you mr caleb masters sir Alright, uh, this is definitely a thumbs up I, I really enjoyed this movie The movie is fun, darkly humorous The script is impeccable it, it's, just, it's it's clever enough But not so clever that it's pretentious Which is something Martin McDowell's other movies might have done later um, But uh, otherwise your dirty Kill night. yourself <laughs> So uh, But yeah, this was fun uh, The acting was great I, I, I'm a big fan of seeing the Irish actors We don't really get to see them too often Honestly, you really think, what's his, uh, what's his, name, Gleason, uh, Brandon Gleason. Gleason. Brandon Gleason, Gleason. The man, the myth, Matt I. Moody. I freaking, yeah, exactly. Matt You know Matt I. Moody and Voldemort come face to face, uh, before one of them had, doesn't have a nose and one of them loses an eye. I thought it was kind of cool. So, uh, <laughs> and, anyway, I, yeah, I, I, love seeing that guy cause he, 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 doesn't pop up in a lot, but when I see him, I'm like, yes, yeah, I, this is the, he's like, he's like one of the definitive Irish actors yeah. out there for me. So, uh, the acting was great and yeah, that's all I've got to say. It just was really, really well put together And the humor, it was just humorous enough, but still smart enough to actually have some really uh, interesting room for analysis. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. I ask you also, Mr. Arthur Gordon.
2: Uh, for me Bruce is a well balanced dark comedy I think it's two thumbs up I think Caleb's hitting around the right points uh, it's perfectly blended uh, it's incredible it weaves perfectly between the dramatic and the comic for example the lollipop man discourse that they mm-hmm. have on the little <laughs> art bench
3: discourse it's, it's, it's
0: something <laughs> it's
2: something and also uh, when he interacts with uh, I think there's a name Chloe and then her mm-hmm. Eric the uh, Eric. the yes. con man and he blinds him with the Why, prop gun Eric? that is a brilliant little section Uh, In my opinion this movie really moves beyond good trash and I think this kind of uh, may move in that upper realm of great cinema Uh, for me personally. It's a solid film and it's from a great filmmaker uh, with a lot of important things to say.
3: All things you said are correct, Mr. Arthur Arthurboard. Mr. Dalvister, what do you think?
1: Um, I didn't do a uh, top ten of 2008, but if I had, this would have been firmly planted in the top yeah. five. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is this is a movie that I've I've loved for quite a while now, and I'm really glad we got to do this on the show. Frankly, I think the only reason that this film isn't too good for this show is that it has something of a cult following. Um, it's kind of underground. A lot of people have seen it, um, and it is very much a genre film at heart. Um, but I, I love this film. It does a really very interesting uh, subversion of the gangster genre, particularly our two main characters. We see a, a, a bright-eyed vet and a weary rookie. Uh, and normally, almost always, we get it the other way around. Our, right. our, our veteran hitman here
0: is very kind
1: of just, like, optimistic and happy about life and the world and has kind of a bright outlook on things, uh, whereas our rookie is a lot more, you know, he, he's carrying a lot more on his shoulders, particularly because of the plot of the film. But... Uh, but he definitely wears on the sleeve, and it's great performances from everyone involved. I mean, really, the, the cast, top bottom's bottom, is great. Uh, I love this film. I, I, I even enjoy the weird little digressions about language, and that's how you can tell Martin Madonna cut his teeth as a playwright. It's because there's there's entire sequences that devolve into discussing language and you know what, what words mean, and I love it. I love this movie. Yeah, plain and simple. Excellent, excellent,
3: Mr. Bell Stewart. Um, there's a few wheelhouses I have. Wheels House Wheel Heist If you will Like Mouse and Mice Yeah And and, and this movie Is in several of them Uh, It's really Really fantastic I really Thoroughly enjoyed it And what is more Appalling And disturbing to me Is that I had Not seen this movie Until I watched it For this show And I I think really That is the thing That doesn't that, That fails to elevate it To go ahead and be Something better than good trash Is because it is a quite good film And there are genre films that go into that whole good trash category There are sort of cult films that also categorize But I think it just didn't find its audience It's just there's not been enough people see this particular film And uh, that's, that's why I think it's
1: on the level with us I was really surprised you hadn't seen it Because I know, yeah. uh, I mean, those of you who might remember we, uh, we did an episode over our top films of 2012 uh, about a year ago right now and uh, one of Dustin's favorite films of the year was Seven Psychopaths the best film of the year was that your favorite film of the right. it was the best film last year uh, what? shut up
4: Caleb <laughs> of so 2012 no not even close yeah not 2013 2012 it was, it, maybe maybe honorable mention it did make honorable mentions last year Yeah, you were incorrect we're moving on <clears throat> We're going
3: to now go and do our analysis, and uh, and this is where we begin to talk about what the movie means. Again, spoilers ahoy. Uh, if you do not wish spoilage, uh, you do not wish to stay. That's all I want to say, um, because I am nearly certain that there will be spoilage that occurs in the course of our discussion.
2: I begin with you, Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. Quote, I know I'm awake, but it feels like a dream. End quote. This is a key quote throughout a film set in purgatory. Ray's sentence to Bruges is equivalent to that of a limbo or a purgatory. He has gone here to meet his final judgment. Will he go to heaven or hell if such places even exist? A question he ponders throughout the film. This otherworldly feel is reinforced by the existential nature of the movie, uh, giving it an aspect of spirituality that adds several layers to the film. Deep down, Ray seems to know that he is awaiting judgment, no matter how much Ken or even Ray himself tries to convince himself. Otherwise, Harry... um, is convinced. Uh, Harry is played by Ray Fines and is our crime Lord, setting the hits kind of guy. Uh, he's convinced that Ray has committed an unforgivable sin in killing a small child. Uh, and in following uh, these themes, we begin to see a reversal of the God Satan dynamic. Here Harry is very much a godlike presence. He at times seems omniscient. He has the fear and respect of his workers and he also brings final judgment and condemnation with his word. However, Harry is without grace. On the flip side, Ken falls into the role of Satan. He stands as a guide for Ray, telling him what to do and when to do it. Though his advice isn't the most morally acceptable route, Ken serves as a hitman mentor. When asked about heaven or hell, Ken suggests that neither exists and that he lives by his own moral code, not one deemed appropriate by men. Ken also displays grace and mercy, something Satan is not typically known for. And this picture of Ken and Harry as God and Satan is finally cemented, and made real when the two meet eye to eye and have a discussion about the fate of Ray in a very Jobian type uh, yeah. discourse in our association of Ray we begin to see things At many times throughout the early part of the film Ray is very childlike he is both temperamental and inquisitive through his adventure he meets many other travelers in Bruges and he meets overweight tourists who probably can't pass through the narrow staircase he meets a dwarf
1: whoa, and whoa, whoa, whoa. you don't want to go up there it's really narrow what are you trying to say uh, you know, you, you, you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> likewise, he meets a dwarf or a midget as Ray, as Ray insists <laughs> a prejudiced a midget, a, a racial racist, racist. what two midget? Two manky prostitutes <laughs> and a racist midget, <laughs> uh, and he falls for a drug dealer in Chloe, who moonlights as a production assistant on the Midget's film. Uh, who we never learned the name of. At some point, he blinds a con man and he takes residence with the inn of Marie, a pregnant lady who seems to fall into a maternal role for Ray by the end of the film. Martin McDonough, the director, plays with this idea of black and white throughout the film, continuously raising questions about violence, religion, and film itself. And near the end of the story, there's a moment when a character says that it's the final shootout which quite eerily foreshadows the work that McDonough would do in Seven Psychopaths, and mm-hmm. is also a characteristic of McDonough's films that have drawn comparisons with Tarantino. And the morality play takes a final turn as Harry rains down judgment on Ray, and then in the face of his own law, must take his own life. As Ray's final moments seem to pass, his life flashes before his eyes the girl he loved, the mother he is connected with, and so on. And in his final moments, he ponders once again life and death, heaven and hell, before finally questioning whether Bruges. Was in fact hell. Excellent reading,
3: Mr. Arthur Gordon. I'm impressed by all of that. I think you're right on to something. Mr. Dalton Stewart,
1: let's well, say you, sir? Well, before I get into the, the bulk of my analysis, which, uh, as with most weeks, will predominantly be sociological, it'll be bulky. <laughs> like your upper body. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Um, you know, gender norms be damned. I'll be bulky up top and say, oh, you're so sweet. I do. I know who I am. But before we get into the majority of my discussion, which will be sociologically based, as it usually is, I want to touch on something that Arthur touched on that I really appreciate about this film. And it is how self-aware, but a very specific self-awareness that it has. It's the final shootout. Yeah. You dummy. Don't be stupid. It's the final Final shootout. shootout. It's something that, again, McDonough will address in his... his Because it knows it's a Western. Exactly. It will know it's a gangster film. It knows. (laughs) And not only does it know that it's a film with a shootout, the characters expect other characters to know what kind of film they're in. Oh, yeah. Get it together. It's the final shootout. What are you doing? The actors are supposed to be in their places, lady. Mm -hmm. And that's a thing that I find very interesting about this film, that it has that self-awareness. It's very coy about it, Uh, and yet is very direct about it at the same time. And that's that's something I find very uh, revelatory about this film. It's it's much more coy about its self awareness than say something like Scream, uh, or or The Cabin in the Woods. Um, but it's but it's also very direct and very pointed, particularly in that moment. Uh, but what I really want to talk about is the idea of subcultures and uh, sociological study. A subculture is, is any group. ...that has really its own rules that deviate from the society at large that lives within. In this case, we're looking at gangsters, particular, particularly London gangsters... ...who really have their very own set of, their own set of morals, their own set of, uh, of logic, their own set of norms, mores... The, the, ...the things that they do. There is a way that things are done that are completely different from probably the way that most Londoners do things... Uh, and in particular We see this address. Well, most Londoners Don't shoot priests Don't shoot priests Or you know Shoot uh, lollipop men With bottles Correct um, <laughs> Be they kung Please fu Knowing fans. or otherwise Well
3: because Well I think all do that as a deadly weapon Is it a Chinese I mean? lollipop man? Actually no Londoners Shoot lollipop men With bottles Because none of them Have guns
1: want the gangsters do that uh, true that and that's what we're at
2: I've seen enough Guy Ritchie films to know
1: what happens in London I'd say that's accurate Arthur but that's really what I'm getting at is they have very different rules for each other sorry I've seen enough Guy Ritchie films to know what happens in London representation equals reality <laughs> moving on precisely uh, that's what I'm getting at though is most Londoners don't have guns all the gangsters in London do though uh, and that's, to me, one of the more interesting things is how the morality of violence is addressed here. And it's, you know, again, we talk about violence a lot in the show because we watch a lot of violent films because we watch a lot of genre films. Because we like it. Well, yeah, it's fun. But usually what we're talking about is the idea of doing violence. Not the consequences of the violence you do, but the act of doing violence. And this is a film about the total opposite. Mm-hmm. This is a film that is almost solely about the consequences of violence. And almost not at all, really. It deals with the actual act of doing violence about as little as it possibly can and still portray it on screen. And that's where we see this this subculture really kind of be its own thing uh, in this film, is how it deals with the morality of violence. When is violence okay? If someone comes at you with a bottle, then it's okay to shoot them. If a woman comes at you with a bottle, then it's okay to hit her, but probably not to shoot her. It's okay to shoot a priest who's broken an arrangement with a gangster. It's not okay to shoot a little boy when you're shooting a priest. There's very. It's okay to shoot a, a poofy skinhead in the face with a blank when he's trying to stab you. Right? Always. You follow him? Well, it's always... <laughs> I love that scene so much. Uh, it's, so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, they used to just beat up 12-year-old Pakistanis, but now... Oh... <laughs> uh, for those of you who watch this movie and get confused, uh, uh, poof is a, is not a nice word for homosexual people uh, in uh, British slang. Yeah, the no. greater British Empire. Probably. Hey, Michael, have you seen the new poof? <laughs> uh, that reminds me of my fired up. <laughs> anyway, the point I'm getting at here is that we see within Ray. And Ken, and all in all of these gangsters, we see this very. I mean, Ray Fine's character, Harry. Harry says, "If I'd have shot that kid, I'd have put my gun in my mouth right there." When he thinks he shoots a kid at the end, he holds up to that. He is a man of values, d- despicable though he may be. He's gonna stand on your principles exactly. Though he shoots Ray, who is unarmed and has been more than compliant. And trying to obtain some sort of forgiveness mm-hmm. or, Well I'd say at least somewhat compliant mm-hmm. um, And is certainly showing remorse He shoots him anyway Because he has his own set of values That don't conform to the rest of the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: And he doesn't even wait But at the same time Though he's a despicable man He doesn't wait to get answers about who he just shot He thinks it's a kid And he follows through with what he said And that's a very interesting thing about this film And about the subculture it portrays Is how they view violence how they do violence, and how they react to violence. And I think that's, that's something I love about this film is the consequences it shows for violence. You know, you can't just punch a guy in the face in a restaurant because it turns out the Belgian police will bring you back to Bruges. Excellent, excellent. And that particular scene I think is exactly
3: what you're talking about <clears> where <throat> it's not even resting on the violence. Uh, Colin Farrell says that uh, it's it was a hyper-violent moment, right? Followed by a very quickly hyper-violent moment. Uh, and, but it's not very long on screen. No. Not very long on screen at all. But the consequence is a major callback in the film because uh, oh, it's a
1: one-and-done punch on him and her in that particular scene. And yet, it becomes basically the entire driving uh, action for the third act of this film. Correct. So I, I think you're right on in your reading, sir. Well, thank you. Well, and again, Eric also the violence he does to Eric becomes another driving force of the final act of this Mm -hmm. film he doesn't just get away with blinding Eric because now Eric holds a grudge towards him it doesn't Mm -hmm. just end with his victory there is consequences there are consequences for his actions and I think that is something a lot of genre films fail to address I think that's something I like about McDonough's work is that it it chooses to go that route. He, he, he clearly he is a fan of the genre film. I think you can see from his films, no doubt. And he chooses to address something that those films really, I, I think, to their detriment, ignore too often. So that's that's and that's something I appreciate about this film, and that's kind of why I, I went down the road with subcultures that I did. Because I mean, you can't talk about gangsters without talking about their very unique perspective on violence. I think.
4: No doubt, no doubt at all. Thank you, Mr. Dolph Stewart, Mr. Caleb Masters. What say you, sir? Well, me and Arthur had really similar readings, although in my reading it was the opposite. Harry was the devil, and Ken was God. So, it just depends on your view of God, I guess. Um, we'll take us down that. I I was, like, wait, you to take? Okay, now, now my, my my thought is Harry is judge, jury, and executioner, right? He mm-hmm. makes the rules and he says we go. Um, so, in that instance, I kind of I saw where you were coming from. Well, this is this is a guy who's consistent. However. Um, I, I found Ken, uh, although, albeit he is a hitman, he is constantly in the movie calling to uh, Christ, grace, uh, redemption, redemptive characteristics. Uh, he is trying to get Ray out of there because he wants him to have a second chance. Uh, you know, so I was looking at it as a, a, as Ken is. Is more of a Christ figure, albeit flawed. He's more of a Christ figure because he is trying to say, "Hey, this kid's got a chance to make it out. He can still, he can still have a good life." He says that multiple times when he's talking to Harry. He's like, mm-hmm. "Why are we taking this chance away?" So for me, I was looking at it as Harry was more of a devil type. He said, "He is, he is the law. He is he says these are the rules we have to stick by it, and I don't care what you say. There's no room for error. It's cold, cut, and calculated." I
2: am the law. Swear to me. The other thing, the other way I was wanting to read this uh, before I went my way was that Harry represented the old covenant, and Ken would represent the new covenant. New covenant. Well, not later. Yeah,
4: well, that's totally fair reading. That's kind of what I was getting at too. Yeah. Um, But but I do I do think though the fact that Ken is this he is a he is a character who sacrifices his own life, not even to actually save same Ray. Not only to save Ray, but just to have the chance to save Ray. You know what I mean? So he was willing to lay out his life for his for uh, a younger person that he cared a lot about. There's so you could a say, self-sacrificial. You, could say, yeah, you. So you could say he died so that you know Ray could have some hope. Basically, uh, so I saw it more as a. I mean, flawed. Yes, however, definitely more of a of a Christ character. That's a
1: great moment you're talking about that interjects some, like, harsh realism into a moment of serious filmic surrealism. It's this really beautiful kind of lyrical sacrifice that Ken does, and he's still alive, although by rights he should definitely have been immediately dead. And Colin Farrell goes for the gun, <laughs> yeah. and it is shattered, because yeah. it turns out you can break a firearm, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> And that's I just think it's a really awesome. Moment. Yeah. That's because Berettas be crap. Moving on.
0: <laughs>
4: so my reading, this is more of uh, a tale of redemption uh, for Ray. Now, the, now the thing is, the movie ends. We don't really know if he's got that redemption because he's he's left like, asking himself all these questions. However, I think he's going down the path. He never made a finite choice though, and we, we we'll never know how that turned out. But he leaves the train and he gets sucked back. He keeps getting pulled back to his sin, and he is his his uh, ultimate evil is. Not even that he killed a child. That is, I mean, that is his evil, mm-hmm. his mistake. But his the thing that he has to let go of to be uh, redeemed and have a new life is to let go of the fact, the fact that he
1: killed the kid. It wasn't that he killed the It's that he is guilt stricken because of it, and he can't let that go. Well, and that to me that that kind of feeds back to my analysis because one of the things I thought about and thought about subcultures is this resistance to accepting personal responsibility. Yeah. This resistance to even thinking about the possibility of redemption. And that's something I find interesting is in the final moments Ray realizes that he wants to live. Yeah, that he wants to not die. Mm-hmm. That he has chosen to live. That and to me that's a big character growth. Right. Not that maybe he doesn't even maybe he still dies. But the idea that he wants to not. But, but yeah,
4: in his, in his final it, moments, though, he actually decides that he does want to live. Exactly, and I think it's that's kind of like Ray. calling out for mercy, almost. Well,
1: and it's and it's, it's it's the point in the film where I think Ray finally does distance himself from the subculture that he is so a part of, and chooses to be like, oh hey, I can join the rest of the world, and you know maybe uh, be a normal person. Right. So
4: ultimately, at the end, I think that's a point that he is. Uh, this is a redemption story, uh, and you know, I, you know, there's there's. Christ allegories all of this thing. I mean, you, there's literally scenes in which they specifically talk about the story. So, I think it's... Oh, yeah. The religious imagery it, is, is everywhere. So, uh, so, I'm saying you can't get around it. And that's why, for me, I, I saw, though, uh, you know, flip-flop from what you were saying. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, uh, Harry is, is you broke a law, you're going to be punished. You know? I, which, I guess, Old Covenant works. But, you know, it's this very cold, calculating, careless saying, I don't care who you are. I don't care what potential you have. I have to kill you. I have to take you down. Because... You failed and there's no room for second chances so that's mm-hmm. kind of how I read it Excellent, excellent, I, and I think
3: you're right on. I think Madonna's choice of uh, of imagery uh, naturally leads one to sort of a ethical, theo bit of musing. I, I think that's that's really the only way uh, you can go with the film because I think that's part of where the uh, the visual choices, the location choices of Bruges uh, bring us is that we have to begin to think of these kind of ethical, uh, again, theo-philosophical. Uh, Categories and that's that, so that's part of the analysis I would want to bring as well, and I really want to talk more about ethics and justice uh, more than anything else because I, I think again it's tied into everything that we're all saying. We're all saying very very similar things uh, I think right now about this movie because it really is on the nose uh, with uh, the message. It seems that the screenwriting and uh, the uh, just the realization of the film tends to bring about is this. I really watched this movie and it felt to me like. Tree of Life for normal people. (laughs) (laughs) Now stay with me. Tree of Life begins with this statement: There are two ways to walk in this world. There is the way of man, and then there is the way of grace. Way of nature. Way of nature. Oh, I know because that film's burned into my
1: mind for all the time. You're right.
3: (laughs) The way of nature and the way of grace. Now it seems to me nature is something more like what you guys were talking about—old covenant or law, or uh, you know, sort of some sort of legalism um, in, in the value system of the world. In that, there for every action there must be equal and opposite reactions that the equation always has to balance harry is a character who must always balance the equation and for most the film ray is also that same sort of character the equation must balance he has done a terrible thing there is no restitution there is no retribution there is no way that that equation can be balanced except for by his own death right Uh, which is a hellish sort of imagery Mm -hmm. Uh, just to begin with anyway. Uh, Then we have Ken's character. And Ken's character seems to take uh, a, a, a much more open, a much more negotiable, a much more relational approach... To justice, ethics, paying costs and moralities. I think the real key scenes in this film, we haven't talked about them yet are those scenes with the uh, ticket teller at the, uh, at the tower when he goes in and he wants mm-hmm. to get in for 5 euros, he's only got 490 and the guy will not take 490
0: mm-hmm.
3: when the, typically the tower is going to be open until 7 but it's not open today and he's not going to let these guys in what does Harry do?
1: He beats him to death with a pistol all of Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Uh, very much so. Because why? Why shoot a man when you have a pistol? When you can beat him to death with a pistol. <laughs> and it's it's
3: sort of this come up as moment and it's this idea of you're getting what you deserve because you wouldn't give anybody any extra line so what what's going on here are we are we're we really keeping scores and keeping tallies and counts of good marks and bad marks or or do we really want to walk in this slightly different idea of there may be some forgiveness there may be some sense of giving somebody a pass and i think really that's the ethical quandary of grace I don't really think this is a theological text per se, but I think it's interrogating one of the great scandals of the Christian theological heritage, which is that grace means folks get a pass. And do people who kill children get a pass? Do jerks at the te- at, at at the at the ticket teller booth get a pass? Does somebody like Ken get a pass for defying? his boss for the sake of somebody else that's really the question is being asked is it okay in any circumstance for anybody to get a pass because i think the film might be suggesting that if anyone can be forgiven therefore perhaps everyone can be forgiven and that maybe this scorekeeping sort of cycle of violence system is as maria says you guys are just crazy why don't you put up your guns (laughs) and go home and I think that's really kind of the philosophical subtext. It, 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 but it's also doing this in a way that's, I think, very fair. Because we all understand, we all have in our minds this vengeful idea of justice, of balancing the equation, the way of nature, again, a la Terence Malick's Tree of Life. And so we say, no, 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 we got you know, people gotta pay for what they've done. Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem is, is that you can't pay. Because Ray's right, that little boy is never going to open those Christmas presents. That little boy is never coming back. He's never coming, never coming here to Bruges. Why would he go? But that's never, that's never going to happen. And. The fact of the matter is, and I think this is really what the film was beginning to interrogate, as we have the execution of Ray being ordered by Harry to balance the equation, and then we we see the suicide attempt by Ray, is that they're, they're both prevented by Ken, because Ken understands... It doesn't actually balance the equation. go ahead and
1: kill him. There is no restitution in violence. Exactly. It is simply another act of violence.
4: We have two dead people as opposed to one. It doesn't really solve the problem that there's still a dead person.
3: And he might save the next kid, which he does. Maria's baby. Shazam! That's what's beautiful in this movie. Is that there is this notion that even though... We struggle with the notion of some of of forgiveness of allowing a pass for everybody, no matter what they do, which is a really really appalling concept of Christianity. Let's just deal. With it. It's an appalling concept, but I think the film is showing that there is a possibility that that is a successful and perhaps beneficial way. Um to begin thinking forward of how to actually deal with it. instead, of this idea of retributive violence, et cetera, um, recompense and somehow trying to balance those equations.
1: And I think the film's brilliant for that reason. it's just a, it's a solid film all around, I think and I think um, this film yields one of those episodes that we have every every so often in that there is so much richness to the text that we could go on and talk for about it for a very long time. Nine and minutes. that's what this show is all about is finding the richness to chew on to discuss, and I, that's what I really appreciate about this film. Is there are so many ways to approach it.
3: We all love the movie, clearly, uh, but let's let's go ahead and just for the sake of discussion, ask the question:
1: Shelf for trash, else or instead? I ask you, Mister Dalton Stewart. Well, certainly, I'm going to put it on the shelf. Well, I would not? That would just be foolish. After all this talk we've had about it, um, else you should uh, check out a, a film a lot of films, as Arthur jokingly alluded to. Maybe check out all the films of Guy Ritchie. Uh, some are better than others. I would rate them uh, in the following order: Rock and is Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Revolver. In terms of his British gangster films, mm-hmm. uh, I would rate them in that order. I think Rock and roll is rock and really is the standout. I, I think it gets it is good. It gets overshadowed by Snatch because Snatch oh, yeah. came first. But Rock and roll is um, I I love that movie. It's very good, very oh, good. Love it. I would also recommend check out a, a, a one of my favorite British gangster films starring Ray Winstone. And uh, Mahatma Gandhi, aka uh, Ben Kingsley, and that is sexy beast. A film that deals with a lot mm-hmm. of the same subversions of the gangster genre that I think this film does. And also, you have a kind of a uh, somebody that could almost be a um, a cousin to uh, Ray Fine's character in Ben Kingsley's oh, character. Mm. Yes. Uh, finally, I would recommend you check out Mark McDonough's uh, follow-up. To in Bruges, and that's Seven Psychopaths. Uh, so, Obviously. so say we one, so say we all. Yeah, I mean, it is, and I, I imagine most people around this table would agree. Just if you like Martin McDonough if you like In Bruges, you should check it out. But not just for that reason. That reason, it is a natural evolution of the ideas touched on in this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it re- calls back to it. I had forgotten how much Seven Psychopaths calls back to In Bruges because it's been so long since I'd seen In Bruges when I saw Seven Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about Vietnam. Um, a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff about gangsters and the profanity and the violence of gangsters. The importance of the final shootout in storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot there. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Seriously, if you haven't seen uh, In Bruges and you listen to this whole episode and you're thinking, that was a good episode of the Good Trash Honor cast, or that was a shite episode of the Good Trash Honor cast, watch In Bruges either way, because clearly we've talked enough about it to encourage you, and definitely check out Seven Psychopaths. Both are wonderful films. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally agree. I now ask you, Mr. Caleb Masters. All right.
4: Uh, this is definitely on the shelf, uh, one I'd really like to own. After, this is the, I hadn't actually seen the movie in full completion until I watched it uh, the other night. So uh, this is definitely going on the shelf uh, for all the reasons Dalton listed. Uh, it's just a fun movie, too. Yes, it's a, yes. There's some, there's some. There's a lot of uh, subtext to read into. Yes, it's smart, and it plays with tropes of the genre. But you know what? It's just a really All those things, plus it's a really good dark comedy and it's a really good character study and it's a lot of fun but it's also not so much fun that you can't take it seriously Um, so for all those reasons definitely put it on the shelf uh, Elser, instead, I would I would definitely say uh, another another Irish monster movie, Hitman movie, Boondock Saints. I'm sure we've all seen it. That's a definitely not as uh, rich as this movie, but it's a lot of fun.
1: It is a film that we've talked about doing on the show, but I'm afraid to rewatch it because I know I won't like as much. As it's
4: it. not. A, oh, it is not as good as you remember it. Yeah, of course it's not. It's the movie you love when you're 16 and 17. That when you rewatch it, you're like, like, well, it was still fun, but it, it's not. That's that why I was. Yeah, that's yeah. why I
1: don't want to rewatch it because I know I won't like it as much as I did when I was 15 years old. And it's and still a shopped at Hot Topic. However, <laughs>
4: however, I still think it's a fun movie to watch uh, either way. And I've watched it two or three times since the original time. But it's, it's just a fun movie. It's not good. Otherwise, uh, I have three other movies for you. One of them, another uh, movie that plays with the tropes of the uh, mobster genre, although not uh, European. This would be American. From Dusk Till Dawn. Uh, Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Tina, movie. Hilarious. Actually deals with some of the same things of redemption and uh, sin and like all those all those really interesting things we were talking about, except for way more tongue in cheek, way more. It's making fun of itself. And hey, yeah. look, another Quentin Tarantino parallel here. Um, and then uh, in reference to Purgatory, just because what dreams may come starring Robin Williams.
1: Fascinating movie. See, it's the first time anyone's referenced that movie since that episode of Family Guy. <laughs> I don't think anybody remembers What Dreams May Come, but a good pick. I've seen I, parts of it. I, I remember it. I yeah. caught in the theater. I, I
4: remember it's, it. It's, you, a, it's
2: a weird were movie. Were you projecting it or were you watching it? I was projecting it. Yeah. Yeah. Was
4: it good? Did you like it? It was, it, was, it was pretty. It was pretty. It was very pretty. Uh, it is and then no no sorry the other one was Seven Psychopaths and although I don't think I like it as much as Dalton or Dustin I think it's an excellent movie that is absolutely worth watching and uh, definitely takes these ideas these little snippets of like meta like hey poke fun all the way to the next level well, it's, it, I think it's a different film in that it's a discussion of violence
3: versus non-violence. Right. And that's not so much the conversation here, but I think it's a very tied conversation. I thank you for uh, those suggestions, Mr. Caleb Masters. I now ask you, Mr. Arthur Gordon, Shelf for Trash?
2: Else or instead. This has been on the shelf for a long time. Uh, I really enjoy this movie. Um, in I'll... fact, if you'll recall from a very early
1: episode, I'd say six or seven when we did a Neo-Noir November In 2012 The, the Brooks show Right? Brugge. No was The Tabaski show We talked about Films that should have Their own cult And that was Arthur's pick
2: Bruges, The Brugesian cult Roll
1: Wrong. Roll Anyway Back Sorry Bruges. I, I just wanted to Remind the listener That uh,
2: <laughs> Arthur's love Of this film Had come up yeah. before um, But I, I like From Dust Till Dawn That's a good pick And I'm really happy He mentioned Sexy Beast. There's actually A day when I watched Layer Cake Sexy Beast and oh, what was the other one? There's another British crime movie. Rock and Rolla. It was Rock and Rolla. Rock and watched Friday. Back to Back. And that that is a good marathon. Regardless, my picks uh, I think you watched Hot Fuzz uh, you get another British comedy set in this kind of rural area I think that's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, you watch The Guard starring again Brendan Gleason and Don Cheever. How is that? I haven't gotten around it's to it. It's fun. It's a fun movie. But it's fun. Because it's directed by Mark McDonough's brother. Really? Uh, John Michael McDonough. And then just for fun, you watch the Fright Night remake because Colin Farrell is having a blast in that movie. And it is fun to watch, I think. So those are my picks. Dust and Cells, I think we can safely say where it's going.
1: for Trash. Elser instead. Oh, it's definitely a shelfable film. I mean, I watched it for the first time. I will be owning this very, very soon. Mm-hmm. So, what, what would you recommend as a, as a pairing for this film? Well,
3: I, I've already mentioned Tree of Life, and honestly, I think it is a pairing. Uh, yeah. in, in, in a thematic
1: sort of yeah. sense. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, I don't like Tree of Life nearly as much as I like this film, but they would make really interesting films. Too. But I
3: think Jessica Chastain and Brad Pitt work the same sort of dichotomies oh, yeah. that yeah. we're working in in that as well. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think it makes for a very, very interesting... Um, thoughtful bit of double viewing something a little uh, more fun but still on the artsy (laughs) side um, when we talk about characters like Harry you should watch No Country for Old Men oh yes good pick uh, because uh, Anton Chigurh is doing the exact same kind of stuff. And then just for joy, really not joy, Glee. I mean, Glee, son, you need to watch you some games in New York. And yes, that, that I thought like, about that. Yes, that's very sole reason. Irish Moms, New York, early times, fun times, crazy performance. Crazy performances all the way around. And uh, just love me some of that movie.
1: Yeah, Scorsese allowed a lot of scene-chewing to happen in that film.
4: Hey, Daniel Day-Lewis. (laughs)
1: Whoopsie-daisy! Need I say more? It was all
3: wonderful and awesome, and I love it so much. But... Moving on uh, So those are my recommendations We're going to move on now And play our game for the day And we're going to talk about Cinematic locales In which we would not wish To await our deaths So What would be your Bruges All of right Now not all of Ken Because like Ken Myself I would have loved <laughs> to have spent The last two weeks Of my life in Bruges mm-hmm. That would have been pretty nice actually yeah. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not complaining about that At yeah, all But There are places There are situations in film That are less than shining and so that lack of shininess is what we want to discuss those that would be not quite hell but limbo-esque first ring-esque locales i ask you mr arthur gordon
2: uh the first one i've got to say tatooine i hate deserts i hate that <laughs> sand i hate that kind of climate and the heat and that nonsense it gets in everything i'm a chorus on kind of guy so i'm gonna say tatooine is on my list uh, New York City as seen in Planets of the Apes, the original or the remake. <laughs> Either or. Yeah, I don't want to be ruled over as a slave to uh, evolved apes. And finally, the Overlook Hotel. With or without the Torrance family, because I hate being cooped up in now a place. Now, is that the Overlook Hotel of The Shining or the Overlook Hotel of Room 237? Of oh, The Shining. Just so make sure. being snowed in to a place that big with nothing to do Not would drive me... However,
3: however, the actual Stanley Hotel.
2: No, uh, yeah, I would love to It is, yeah. is a lovely place. Well, I would love to go there.
3: I've been, and it is. I don't a, know if I'd want to be snowed in. I would. No, it would be okay to be snowed in there. They, yeah, I would. It would be a. It would be a very okay. They have ski ball. They have pool. <laughs> lots of pool. I'll take it. Billiards for those of you um, on other parts of the world.
1: <laughs> wonder, Thank you, Mr. Arthur Gordon, for that. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what, what do you welcome. have to say, sir? Well, I've got a couple of picks. I, I thought about a couple. And um, we'll go ahead and start with my TV picks And then we'll move on from there If you're alright with that um, I, I would say the Philadelphia of it's always sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> uh, I, You know as much as I enjoy watching The shenanigans of the gang God oh god do I not want to be involved with those people Or the yeah. place they live uh, yeah. See also other East Coast industrial east coast cities The Baltimore of the Wire Because that's <laughs> a terribly <laughs> depressing place Especially season 3 <laughs> Yeah no joke uh, we'll, we'll move on um, I also picked New York, but I picked in the New York of Taxi Driver. Oh. Definitely a film that would make a good pairing with this film. Uh, two very Catholic films. Uh, but God, do I not want to be in that in that New York ever? I just because first of all, you need to listen to Travis Bickle narrate about how shitty everything is all the time, all the time. That's all you're hearing is Travis Bickle blabble on. I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> That's depressing. See also, my other pick, The Florida of Spring Breakers. I don't want to listen to James Franco prattle on about his shorts in every color. Yeah. You don't want to hear Britney Spears just on the piano? Yeah, I do kind of want to hear that. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scarface on repeat? That would get old, man. Mm. Uh, finally, finally, I have a cheat. We're breaking the fin- Fincher rule. Crack a bottle. I don't know. if Are we still drinking when I break the French rule? Fincher rule? I don't know.
2: Sure. Clearly, you should be doing slurry. <laughs> He's been breaking the
1: French rule The French rule, the rule. The French rule? The, I, the, the, French, the French rule. French French rule. <laughs> That's all another game. Yeah, I'm going to break uh, the rule in which I'm not allowed to mention my, the films of my favorite filmmaker, David Fincher, in our games. And I'm going to say I don't... I think probably more than all of these, I don't want to spend any time in the Harvard Of the social network. (laughs) And I'm cheating because I find it to be such a good answer. answer. Because that is just a place populated by assholes. <laughs> Just really awful people. Just really not good people to be around. Thank you for that suggestion. Mr. Caleb Masters, your cinematic hells. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> like Dalton, I'm going to start
4: with TV number one. I only have one TV pick, and that's Westeros. Do people watch Game of Thrones? Oh,
1: God,
0: no. Yeah,
4: no, no. Fantasy. No. Fantasy. Okay, you think fantasy means escape to happy places and things? No, no, no. Game of Thrones, you die. If you're a good person, guess what? You die. If you're a bad person, you die.
1: You live in the middle, you live a little longer. So, yeah. So, well, Caleb, let me ask you something. What's what's the worst hell? North of the Wall, the the frozen tundra of North of the Wall, or the political debauchery of South of the Wall? It's pretty tough. Um, I would I would
4: probably be more of a Tyrion little finger character. and have fun with the politics. So I'm going to say North of the Wall because there's freaking zombie things. Ice and it's zombies. freezing cold. There's ice zombies, and it's cold. I hate the cold. So yes, it's all hell. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the Death Star trash compactor. I think that'd be a pretty pretty terrifying place to, to be stuck. Just to be God, stuck it's in. Awful. It's got an eyeball. And then the an eyeball in there, and then it just pops out, and then you never see it again. Three yeah, EPO's bitching. Yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh, I can't hear you, Master Luke. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, uh, number three, Stran Oakmont from the offices of Jordan Belfort from the recent The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. Holy crap! There's so much cocaine. Dirty hooker Clean hooker I don't care There's just too much Of everything In that office And there's too much Thievery And too much Too much of Too muchness It's just Wow Too I much was, of too much. I was grossly Uncomfortable Whenever they were Throwing uh, midgets At targets And then brought in A bunch of strippers And then You know
2: Quaaludes and cocaine Midgets have a higher rate of suicide than others. I wonder why. I mean, than most people. Have you ever thought about
1: popping yourself, Arthur?
2: What, what why, why would you, why, why would you ask? I don't, oh,
1: I'm what, just what, making conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly,
4: I'm going to go with uh, the future and the multiple futures in the movies. Uh, we'll start with one. Just the future in the movies. The future in the movies. There's a lot of different oh, okay. it, always it always sucks. sucks. It always okay. sucks. Okay, there's two of them. Two I want to mention specifically are very different but I think both of them will be Hell. One of them being Back to the Future Part 2. It's the super 80s. We're stuck with John Part 10. We're stuck with those shoes and those crappy hoverboards made by Mattel. No one wants to go back to the 80s. They were a dark place for America. Why would we go back there? It's the super 80s. Don't go to 2015 <laughs> and Back to the Future.
0: <laughs> That's a freaking great answer. Yeah. That's fantastic.
3: And you know what's funny is I actually had Hill Valley of the
4: 1985 the, uh, skewed timeline. Oh, that's a good hell. one.
1: Earth Two Hill Valley. Earth, Earth
4: Two Hill Valley. Uh, yeah. uh, and the other one, I, I didn't want to mention one of the future, because all futures always suck, but one other one uh, that is known is the future from Blade Runner. And that really is hell.
1: I mean, you can't breathe. I mean, there's robots that you don't know are robots. And yeah. in the theatrical cut, you've got Harrison Ford sandbagging the voiceover. Oh my gosh, that is
4: the worst sandbag. I mean, how would you have, how would you like to have a, <laughs> How would you like to have Harrison Ford Sandbag your life from day to day.
2: Hmm.
4: Thank you, Sally. I'm going to move on now
2: and discuss
3: <laughs> my uh, favorite or least favorite hellacious place. Already mentioning the Hill Valley uh, circa 1987, uh, 85. Hell Valley. Hill, Hell Valley, really. And well, it's graffitied on the sign. You know, But still, poor Red, he's still a drunk. It's just sad. Moving on. Uh, I would also describe a Philadelphia location, as Dalton Stewart did a little while ago. But the Philadelphia I would choose is the uh, future dystopian Philadelphia of David Lynch's Eraserhead. You don't want to live there. You don't want to live there at all. There's a lady in the radiator. That's the best thing about that place.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: So, um, I know all you Eraserhead fans out there are with me on all of that. I would also just want to say, and I've already mentioned the film, um, but I don't want to live in Lubbock, Texas for any reason whatsoever, ever. And so, as in No Country
1: for Old Man, why would you want to spend any part of your life there, ever? Have you been to Lubbock, Texas? See also the Lubbock, Texas of Django Unchained. Yes. Do you want
3: to be there, ever, at any given point, time, cinematic, real life? In fact...
1: The people of Lubbock, Texas Don't want to be in Lubbock, Texas (laughs) I'm
3: so glad you said that I end my um, Bashing of Lubbock And dear listeners in Lubbock We love you We just hate that place Um, With an anecdote That a dear friend of mine Was once in a mausoleum You know And looking at uh, The remains Or rather The the resting places Of family members And there was an urn In that place And it said I'd rather be here Than in Lubbock, Texas (laughs) That is a true story That's a true story That's (laughs) awesome uh, it's a bad place, and I have no love for that locale. Moving right along, thank you, gentlemen, for that game and discussion of his and other hellacious places in which uh, you might wait your final judgment. Let's now give some final judgment opportunities to the dear listeners, as they can judge our analysis, our gameplay, and bring their own suggestions via social media. You know anything about that
1: stuff, Dalton Stewart? You know, Dustin We spend a lot of time on the internet together. Listener, I don't know if you're aware of this. Me and Dustin spend a lot of time on the internet together. And I always ask him, "Um, you know, are are we going to go more with fun or more with culture? And Dustin tells me, oh, don't worry, Dalton. We'll strike a balance between fun and culture. No, I believe, Dustin, that every time you and I get on the internet together, the balance shall tip in the favor of culture. Like Like a white girl on Instagram announcing her baby names. The uh, obnoxious chalkboard with her stupid face, and she's smiling, and she's just there being obnoxious. I think it'll tip in the favor of of that on a seesaw, uh, on the opposite end of like a like a bird. We need an Instagram, like a bird just tweeting on the other end of the we seesaw. Do. We have an Instagram. Been there, done that. It's not filming, it's coming. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash Genrecast on Twitter at good underscore trash. Thank you, Mr. Dulster. Do we have any feedback from the um, tweet or Twitter? I think we might. As a matter of fact, Dustin, we do have some feedback coming in from the Twitter this week. Dustin asked and the internet provided answers. uh, Brigham Cole uh, tweeted us on on our Twitter account and uh, let us know that there was, in fact, a Total Recall television series. Uh, It aired in a... Canada first. Uh, no, well, Canada first, but then Showtime picked it up. It was Canadian-produced. It was picked up by Showtime. It ran in 99. It was called Total Recall 2070, and it ran for 22 episodes.
3: And based on the later conversation I had with Mr. Brigham Cole, it turned out to be a strange amalgamation of both of my suggestions. Because I suggested for my science fiction film that was worthy of a TV spinoff, both the movie Blade Runner, already mentioned on this week's show, and Total Recall. As it turns out, the plot of Total Recall 2070 is very much a detective story in a Blade Runner-esque universe looking, as far as stylistics go, but within the whole Total Recall sort
1: of mythology. Hmm. I think that sounds far worse than what I thought. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But maybe it's awesome, who knows? Um, Also, uh, at Brad Lepperson. L. Epperson, L. Epperson, Brad L. Epperson. <laughs> he doesn't have leprosy. Which reads, as, I, you know, it's funny because I know who Brad Leperson is because he writes in. <laughs> uh, but, but for some reason, I add that, read that name, and I was like, "Yeah, Leperson, that makes sense." <laughs> anyway, at Brad, capital L. Epperson uh, wrote in, and he said he just finished listening to our imaginary witness uh, episode or commentary, as he called it. Oh. I like that, and he'd recommend the reader for viewing as. As it covers uh, victim,
2: Victimization
1: mm. And post-war power
2: eh.
1: And power post-war Two of my co-hosts on a. On a I've never seen it so you I buy And I don't I, judge I, I have
4: seen it And yeah. it's uh, It's not quite the snuff Or at least uh, my, 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 my opinion is It's not
2: quite the snuff Yeah I'm a fan
1: Also Brad Epperson uh, Tweeted in once more uh, He said I submit That the GTGC awards Be referred to as The Oscars Oscar Lives in the trash And yet He is good Hashtag icon. Hashtag mascot. Hashtag rebrand.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I think what he's saying is we do a hostile takeover of Oscar and the Grouch. Yeah. 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 I like it. Finally, uh, I retweeted something that Dustin Sells tweeted to the show. It was just an article Ooh. about uh Alfred Hitchcock's unscreen uh, unseen Holocaust documentary. Via your Anon News. All oh, correct.
3: All oh, via the independent.uk um news agency. But uh, it's, it's basically uh, real footage of uh, liberation of a concentration camp uh, edited uh, by um, Sir Alfred Hitchcock. Thank you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. A special thanks goes to Brad and Brigham for so much feedback. Uh, This week Uh, We really really appreciate that from you both Brad we love the Oscar the Grouch idea There may be something done with that And even though only half of us like the other idea Haters going to hate man You got to keep trucking
2: So we're going to move on now And talk to Mr. Arthur Gordon Percolators going to percolate You can find us at www.facebook.com Forward slash good trash genre cast One word No underscores No underscores I don't know I've never Underscores are for pansies
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know our our good trash handle is At good underscore trash in fact uh, so um,
2: the Twitterverse the Twitterverse full of pansies. regardless we had a couple of pieces of uh, uh, listener feedback in regards to our sci-fi television shows uh, Nick Sanford chimed in saying Star Wars and I don't think any of us mentioned it I think because Clone Wars may have been on our mind and Droids but, the cartoon series okay.
4: well, the, no, the, the Clone Wars was actually mentioned to get cut from the show
2: what was Droids?
3: Droids was a, a show following C-3PO and e,
4: um, R2-D2. I thought that was a special. Uh, it wasn't special. So was the Ewoks.
3: That was okay.
2: also a
1: special. The Christmas special, right? You no, know, I was All on the
3: right. telly. It was a series. On the telly? I'm serious.
1: I could be out of my mind, but... Internet, I'm- let us know. I know Droids was a thing. Yeah. It was in the early 80s. Was it-, it a series? Was it a special? Dustin's old. He's senile. He doesn't remember things so great. <laughs> and I have not taken my dementia medicine tonight. If there's one person... That listens, that will be able to let us know. I can almost single-handedly guarantee you it will be Burger Cole. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of most things.
2: He also mentioned Inception as having potential for a weekly television yes, series. Yes, I watched that. I'm in. We just got some feedback from Shane Arrington saying he would like to see a show based on the computer HAL 9000 and his astronaut buddies Dave Bowman and Frank Poole. You can make it a situation comedy like Three's Company. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. We're all there. We're all there. Um, That's fabulous. We're all there. That's what I've got from the face of Facebook. Hal,
1: what are you doing here? I told you I was going to have a girl over. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Dave. Dave. <laughs> I, can't, I can't allow you to play that. <laughs> yeah.
3: there, there, there's, there's potentialities right there. I'm, I'm thinking, folks. Listen gang, what we learn as we listen to that little segment as we talk about the social media is not only the availability of you to participate in the conversation but also your availability to um, be further enriched in your cinematic knowledge. Uh, We're tweeting links about Hitchcock movies. Uh, We've got some fake Criterion covers uh, of In Bruges currently on the uh, Tumblr page which is at goodtrashgenrecast.tumblr.com And we would love for you to be there and check that all out. We're going to move on now. And we're going to talk about what we always talk about. We're going to conclude the show the best way to conclude the show. We're going to get fired up. We're going to talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture.
4: I ask you first, Mr. Caleb Masters. What's say sir? All right. Got a couple things. Uh, A couple things came up today, actually. Uh, First off, her finally opens wide this week. I mentioned it a couple times. I was hoping it was going to open sooner. But hey, this weekend, wide release here in Oklahoma City, finally. Finally. So I'll be seeing it and I'll be regretting that I made my top ten list before seeing it. Uh, Secondly, I discovered this movie called, this independent movie called The Knights of Badassdom. Okay? It is a movie about LARPers starring Summer Glau
1: and Peter Dinklage, And also that one guy from True Blood. Did it Did finally you, get distribution? Uh, February 22nd, I think. I February, next month. I, it's going to be on demand. I knew it had a hard time finding distribution.
4: I, I had no idea it existed until today. I mean, I, I think I might have heard the name somewhere... Uh, mm. tagline is something like it's going to be medieval up in here
1: yes I want to say it's they wrapped production and probably mid-2012 yep. late-2012 oh wow yeah That's they clear. had a
4: really hard time finding uh, distribution so it'll so. be on demand uh, next month check the, the fact check I think it's the 22nd but double check I know it's sometime in February excellent uh, related segue Peter Dinklage Game of Thrones breaking with within the time we have started recording the show they announced the premiere date of Game of Thrones season 4 April 6th 2014 who's stoked about this season me and Dalton that's right on so 5 which book are they on they're on the second uh, actually really more like the last third of book 3 but holy crap it's only a third but so much crap is about Shh, to go don't down. tell me no, no no spoilers just bad things are going to happen reading Game for Thrones. squares I only watch TV <laughs> spoilers guys Game of Thrones bad things happen so yeah and I'm also really stoked to that show Arthur mentioned last week, True Detective, is uh, going to finally debut this Sunday. I'm really pumped to hear. It. check it out. Do
1: we ever find out if that was a series series or a miniseries? It is at least a one-season series. Oh, okay. It is not
4: okay.
2: a miniseries. There are actually, I think, ten episodes. Okay. That makes Good. me happy. I will find it, and I will watch it.
3: Thank you, Mr. Caleb Mass, Mazz- Mr. Dalton Stewart. Yes. What say you, sir? What's well, got you fired up? Are you fired up? It be it. A bit. A bit? A bit. How fired up? On a scale of one to nine. Why nine? Because I didn't want to do ten.
2: Six. Excellent. Yes, please. <laughs> Still, mate, gentlemen. Can, can, I, can I talk now? Yes. Um,
1: I am also, as Caleb Masters is, I'm pretty excited about the wide release of Her. the will going be reaching the Sandy, desolate shores of Inland, Oklahoma um, uh, This is why I don't Finalize my, my top ten lists Until about the end of January Is because of the state I live in It takes me a long time to see all the movies uh, Also excited about and Davis Which is going to see a release this weekend uh, But we'll move right past that I want to talk about something that's got me happy Fired up and mad fired up um, I listened to an episode of Daniel Harmon's uh, Podcast, Harmon Town That is the showrunner Current showrunner uh, and creator of Community Does a podcast where he, uh, he does a live show uh, Out of uh, the Meltdown Theater in Los Angeles Just talks to people He did, just kind of does a Just, just a, a very kind of silly variety show But Mitch Hurwitz Creator and showrunner of Arrested Development Was on an episode a couple weeks back And I finally got around to listening to it was so funny Really? Very funny And I thought of it because Arthur mentioned uh, Arrested Development while we were recording Uh, Finally, I want to mention something that's got me fired up in a bad way. Uh Uh-oh. Listener, I like to buy coffee at a certain chain based out of Seattle on my way to work because it's very conveniently located. It's a Starbucks, is what it's called. You might be familiar with it. It turns out Starbucks, in their infinite wisdom, when they stopped just selling coffee and started also selling sandwiches and shit, And they started selling bottle drinks and shit. And they started selling CDs and shit. Well, they're going to release a CD in their stores called Music for Little Hipsters. Now, listener, I can only presume that this is either a... (laughs) Little vibrato. A... An album targeted at dwarves and little people... You who, know. who particularly enjoy waxed mustaches, perhaps blue ribbon, and obscure noise pop music. Or B, and much more likely, it is music intended to indoctrinate little children into being pretentious <laughs> and pseudo-ironic. So that they will drink more Starbucks and not be pissed that their parents named them Zelda... Or any other 80s video game character. <laughs> Starbucks, look at me. Starbucks, look at little me. Little Luigi's gonna be pissed off. <laughs> Starbucks, look at me. Go fuck yourself. That's what's got me fired up this week in popular culture.
3: Thank you so much for that, Dalton Stewart. I love how you sugarcoat your analysis, and it's always a wonderful thing. Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up this week?
2: Sure. Um,
3: that is less enthusiastic. I don't even know okay, on a scale of one to eight eighteen. How fired up are you this week? <laughs> a scale of one to one eight to eight eighteen? To, 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 to 18. Okay. Eleven
2: point two three. this week I saw Frozen, Disney's latest Disney princess film, which I thought was very good. Uh, A wonderful soundtrack And it plays quite a bit With the tropes Of the classic Disney princess films How was that? Uh, It was good As I just said (laughs) I
1: I mean like Let me rephrase that How did you like it?
2: It's good I enjoyed it I've heard it's good I really enjoyed it Some of the songs I feel weren't As well written As older songs Mm -hmm. But there are A couple songs That are really good I like the story I like how they play With the tropes Of Disney films and they're kind of poking poking fun at themselves
4: although I was thinking about this some of those songs out of context would send horrible messages to the youth oh certainly (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen the film it's it's a fantastic soundtrack though worth buying buying it is good
2: it is a good soundtrack Uh, regardless I've started reading J.K. Rowling's follow up to Harry Potter The Casual Vacancy uh, which unlike Game of Thrones really delves into uh, rural uh, British politics and is quite uh, humorous and interesting I like J.K. Rowling and I think uh, many people were shocked by the content of her newest book or her book after Harry Potter and so you know I'm, I'm a few pages in I'm going to keep going I, I like J.K. Rowling I'm going to support her Is it sensual? I wouldn't say sensual I'm vaguely aware that she has sort of a detective novel also. She
4: does, she, does. She, she, she published under a false pseudonym. name a pseudonym yeah, yeah because she didn't want the press of being J.K.
1: Rowling
2: I don't buy that because they pretty quickly stamped it as J.K. Rowling and promoted it on the sleeve. So yeah, know.
1: that sounds like
2: a publicity, publicity yeah. Richard
1: Bachman kind of thing. Thank yeah, you.
2: although he got away with it for a minute. Oh yeah. Oh, while I'm here in J.K. Rowlingland, apparently she's writing a play, a Broadway play, which will uh, hone in on Harry Potter's pre-Hogwarts years and dealing with his crap at home with the uh, Dursleys. Uh, the next thing I'm fired about up is Aguero del Toro's *The Strain* and the Coen Brothers' *Fargo* miniseries. *The Strain* is awesome. Both. You, you, Dustin has mentioned the book, the book series, series on which the podcast is being adapted uh, by the same company that is uh, adapting *Fargo*, FX. Which I have faith in. FX is going
1: to run both shows. Yes. Awesome. Do we have
2: showrunners or anything at this point? I know Coen Brothers are producing on Fargo. Awesome. Starring Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman. Oh, shit, yeah. And Guillermo del Toro is producing The Strain. I don't know as far as showrunning, but they are involved with the properties. Um, Going into some awards buzz, American Hustle, Gravity, and 12 Years a Slave are pulling away as the frontrunners this year. I was reading all on favorites that... Twelve years is in the lead as the odds-on like twelve to one favorite. Or nah, whatever. That didn't surprise me. Uh as American Hustle. Gravity behind it, and American Hustle in about third place. That really surprised me. That Gravity is doing that well like, uh, in like and you know professional like
1: thinkery yeah. on
2: the, the yeah. yeah in the industry. I, that's but, cool yeah. though. I, I if if it was of those three, I think I'd pull for Gravity. I haven't seen Twelve Years of Slave though, but uh, Gravity. Over American Hustle it, In my
1: To be determined And finalized top ten I, I believe I put Gravity higher than 12 Years a Slave I like
2: both films Quite a bit though yeah. uh, But the final thing is uh, With the BAFTAs being announced uh, The Directors Guild Announcing their stuff It looks like Paul Greengrass uh, For Captain Phillips Martin Scorsese For Wolf of Wall Street uh, Steve McQueen For 12 Years a Slave Alfonso Cuaron For Gravity And David O. Russell For American Hustle Look to be the Oscar And award favorite Frontrunners this year For directing
1: Good to know. Sounds about right. Arthur always does a really good job of keeping track of the race for us. So, I, I
2: enjoy it. I don't know. I, I do too. I,
1: I, I'm with you, Arthur. I, I really enjoy I, it. The Golden Globes are really stupid in terms no, of yeah. actual meaning anything, but everyone gets super drunk, so they're good fun to watch. They are, and
2: they, they are this weekend. They, they are. They are Sunday. So already, already? yeah, God, that
1: was fast. And the, and the Oscar
2: nominations come out the 16th next week. The ceremony's not until March. It what is a second fun time to be alive. There's always a six week break between that is the
1: nominations
2: and then... Yeah,
1: that's yeah, the second. Dustin Sells, we'll, we'll finally wrap the show up with you. What has got you fired up this week in popular culture? What's I've only awesome? really got two things that
3: won't take a whole lot of time, and that is not a joke. Moving on, <laughs> what I want to suggest is... I saw Wolf of Wall Street, Last in Line. What did you think? I think this movie's brilliant. I think it's fantastic. It's amazing. I want to address those who might be of my own ilk who might be less inclined to see it because of some of the more uh, sincerious uh, bit of uh, discussions about it, uh, numbers of F-bombs, uh, breasts. You mean the uh, for
2: layman's, the raunchiness of Wolf of Wall Street. Is I, that what you're referring I to? Uh What I want to say about this if
3: I can give a quick 60-second an analysis. 60-second 60 an, analysis. 60 sextant analysis. <laughs> I was supposed to enunciate the sextants. Sixty second analysis of the content, just the objectionable content of Wolf Wall Street are you ready? Go. I'm absolutely ready Timer. what I want to say is this, is that there is a whole lot of crazy debauchery that goes on in the film, the reason why this happens is because there's a similar film called uh, with, with a, there's a similar film with a character called Gordon Gecko, in which Michael Douglas is famous for being appalled at people walking up to him on the street and saying, I went into Wall Street brokering because I saw what you did and I wanted to do that, it glamorized that sort of evil wickedness it glamorized that sort of over the top excess, and what's Scorsese in his moral universe is trying to do here is He's going over the top. That way you are disgusted by it. That way the impressionable youngster at age 17 in a rated R film would see said film and say, you know what? I don't think I want any of that. That's the point. That's why there's so much, and there should be.
1: I, I totally agree, Dustin. I think it's, it's very similar to a film like Spring Breakers, yeah. where the debauchery is so cranked up to 11 that it starts to look like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're unintelligent, is a word that comes to mind. You might miss the point on both of these, much like many people miss the point on one of my favorite films. But I've already violated the Finch rule once tonight, so we won't get into that. But I totally agree, Dustin. I think it's a, it's a great look at the well, the debauchery put on display in Wolf of Wall Street.
4: Spring Breakers
1: is just about church. Those anyway. are I'm just saying
4: those are two. This year was an excellent yeah, look at the American dream and how it's collapsing on itself. Uh, also, if you want to throw in there, pain and Game for the debaucherized American dream right there those three films
2: yeah <clears> that's <throat> fair
4: the
3: final thing that has me fired at this week in pop culture is I love the AFI the American Film Institute yeah because they do not go ahead and play the game of there must be one yeah you know, there could be only one and they have to chop the heads off of all the other films oh, and man. they always produce a 10 AFI film winners for
1: the year. And I like their list. I think I saw it, actually. Go ahead and read it
3: for the us. The list is 12 Years a Slave, American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Fruitvale Station. A documentary made it I would have perhaps picked.
1: Fruitvale Station is a docudrama. It is That's not a documentary. fair. It's a very good film, though. And it's... In case you didn't pick up on this, listener, this is in alphabetical order. It's in not in a numerical order. Correct. Gravity, Her, Inside, Lewin Davis,
3: Nebraska, Saving Mr. Banks, and finally... The Wolf of Wall Street.
1: and uh, All major studio releases except for Fruitvale Station. Nebraska, I don't know. Nebraska, oh, that's true. No. But good picks. I haven't seen a couple of them, but the ones I've I've probably seen over
2: half that list and I like all those films. Nebraska comes in at number two on my top ten for the year. I saw that. I, I find Nebraska.
0: the
3: AFI to be generally more judicious than, say, The BAFTAs. Oh, those mm-hmm. awards have been recently announced.
1: Uh, we won't begrudge or spend more time in the award season. He only mentioned it briefly just now because he mentioned it last week, but Arthur has published his top channelist for the year. Uh, Sans having seen a couple of films that he thinks might have made it. Uh, but it's a good list. I like your list a lot, Arthur. But
3: it's on the Twitter and it's also on the Facebook. You should follow us on social media so you can continue the conversation with us. In fact, we want to continue the conversation with you all so much. We're so thankful uh, for the chance we've had together or together and talk about this movie in Bruges. We'd like to hear your feedback in those locations. Also, you can speak to any of us individually on the Twitter. I ask you, Mr. Arthur Gordon, where are you at?
2: Uh, you can actually connect with me at wordpress.com. soon to be once again the theroundtablereview.com
1: Are you also available on Twitter? And he's retiring his tour. Fair enough.
2: It's easier this way.
4: Caitlin Masters where, where can you be found on the interwebs? Uh, well a couple places uh, All as always with Twitter at Kenobi 91 I have also published my top 10 for the year uh, at mastersfilmreview.wordpress.com Um still lacking regretting not seeing her but otherwise check it out it's a fun read uh, and then uh, I might go ahead and show that on the Facebook page uh, actually mm-hmm. and then uh, I think are we are going to do a top 10 later this year maybe I am very excited about the possibility of doing uh, a top 10 with the uh, good trash
1: crowd Doll Stewart where can you be found uh, as always I can be found on Twitter at doll underscore stew that is not how you would spell the first three letters of each of my names that's how you would spell a dish made out of toys Uh, I can also be found on Letterboxd uh, for the like eight of you who do that with me. Uh, But I'm on there if you want to check it out. I've actually got a tentative top five films, top ten films rather, of 2013 I've published. I haven't uh, finalized it, but it is available for uh, for public viewing if you want to look at what my, my current list is. I've also got a top 15 of 2012, and I did a top five of 99 because of a show we did on this show.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The office, space. the office. Sure. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did our top five films of '99 because that's what we decided sounded like a good idea to talk yeah. about. Um, I really love '99. I don't know if you guys it's know a good year. Of me. It's a great year in film. Good year. So um, get on Letterboxd, guys, and I've mentioned it a few times on this show, but it's a lot of fun uh, if you're a film lover like we are. It's uh, it's kind of a cool way to. Uh, there there is a social network aspect to it, but it's really a fun way to catalog your film watching. Uh, and and really just make lists and rate films and write mini-reviews. I love it. Dustin Sells, where can the good listener get in touch with you on the interweb?
3: Well, I'm also on Tumblr, besides the Twitter that I always announce. That's at iProtein.tumblr.com. I'm I as an E-Y-E protein, not as some sort of um, Steve Jobs Mc product. Um, moving on, um, I am also on Twitter at Dustin underscore Sells, that's S-E-L-L-S, and would love to keep the conversation going with any and all of you, and would always accept gifts. Next week, we're going to be looking at a film that's going to be chosen by one of our Co- one of our hosts, my co-host um, Mr. Dalton Stewart It's Dalton. my turn again! Dalton, I don't even know what you've picked. I am ready to be shocked, appalled amazed and surprised.
1: I haven't I thought I told you. I've clearly forgotten. Well, um, I thought about it a little bit, not a whole lot um, and I wanted to do a film we've been talking about doing on this show for a little bit and it's almost too good for the show because it is uh, really considered a, kind of a, a hallmark of, of 90's filmmaking and of independent mm-hmm. filmmaking But has such a a strong cult following and created such a strong uh, cult following for an auteur that I think it still bears uh, talking about on the good trash genre cast proper. So, we are going to watch what I like to think of as a combination of Stargate and In Bruges. It's a film from the 90s, but it's also an independent film about people talking. We're going to watch Kevin Smith's Clerks next week Snoochie Boochies. Snoochie Boochies. Outstanding Snooze
0: out. to the dude
1: Hey baby You ever had your ass licked by a Fat Man In an overcoat <laughs> 37 In a row 37 <laughs> I'm really excited It is one of uh, Probably my, my All time go to Happy films Like it's just mm-hmm. a film I like to watch It's one of the films That opened me up To uh, cinema And not just movies um, I'm excited I, I think we'll have A lot of fun with it It's going to be A heck of an episode mm-hmm Thank you, Mr. Donald Stewart, for that
3: pick. I'm excited to have uh, another chance to look at that movie, and I feel some of the same things that you feel about that movie as well. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next time, Gary Lester. Take a look at Clerks. Let us know what you thought about what we thought about in Bruges, and
1: until then... We'll see you next time. I suppose you got a gun up there.
0: Yeah? Well, what are we going to do? We can't stand here all night. Why don't you both put your guns down? Go home. Don't be stupid. This is the shootout. The pictures tell the story This life had many shades Down a little something